All right, day 122. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so Job 41 and 42. So this is the last day of the book of Job, and we've come a long way. Uh, we've seen a lot happen. Some things are harder to make sense of than others. Um, but ultimately, we see uh, that Job, yeah, this righteous man suffered and he was innocent, right? And again, we have to remember that the world and God is more dynamic than just the wicked suffering and the righteous prospering. So this book, yeah, alters and reorients our categories in such a way. And we've seen that, yeah, even in God pulling up in the climax in the last chapter, in the last uh, episode, you know, God pulled up. And it was like the climax. And he literally came and spoke. Job had wanted this combo all this time. And, jo- and, and God finally was like, yo, I'm here. Right. And he asked him a ton of questions. Job can answer. We know the story. But then God says some interesting things here in 41. So he starts off like this. Can you pull in Leviathan with a hook or tie his tongue down with a rope? Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he beg you for mercy or speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you so that you can take him as a slave forever? So if you're reading this today, you probably were like, who in the world is Leviathan? What in the world is the Lord talking about here? And it's kind of complex. So, um, you know, if we backtrack a bit in chapter 40, verse 18, I didn't mention it last time, but um, he's made such a point here of Leviathan that I want to go back to it. In 40, uh, chapter 40, verse 18, God talks about this creature called Behemoth. And here he talks about Leviathan. And there's a ton of, um, you know, views on who these creatures are. So, uh, you know, some would say that Leviathan is just a mythical creature that showed up in other literature outside of the Bible and a dragon-like sea creature that, you know, uh, yeah, lived in the sea, and Behemoth was this great land creature that lived on the land. But they were the greatest creatures in their few dom- in their uh, respective domains. And some would say that Leviathan is, you know, this crocodile. They're just using hyperbolic lam- language for a crocodile, basically. And then some would say, no, 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 no. Uh, Leviathan is just symbolic, right? Like he's just um, God's way of talking about. And uh, ancient Near Eastern folks way of talking about chaos and uh, the powers of nature and the sea. Or he's, you know, uh, this creature that uh, partially symbolizes the evil powers and how, uh, you know, undomesticated they can be. So, yeah, a variety of different views. I'm not sure where I land, but I will say this. They all function the same way in the narrative. So if you go to verse 10, you see that. God underscores underscores a greater point. So he says, yo, no one is ferocious enough to rouse Leviathan. Who then can stand against me? (laughs) Verse 11, who confronted me that I should repay him? Everything under heaven belongs to me. So God is ultimately saying that this beastly like creature, whether actual or mythical, can't be tamed by you, Job. Man, which includes Job, has the inability to subdue Leviathan, a creature. What makes him think that he has the ability to presume to confront God who owns everything that is created, seen and unseen? Leviathan borrows breath from the hand of God. His existence is contingent upon God's existence, right? 
If Job cannot domesticate and control Leviathan, he definitely, absolutely, positively can't control or debate or present his case before God. And so God is just trying to show this point that, yo, like, I am the creator. I am the most powerful being that exists, right? And so he finishes that point in Job, the book of Job, not the book, not the man, the book of Job, like any good narrative that has lasted for the ages, um, has had this major conflict, right? Job is righteous, wealthy, innocent, and as best we can see it, you know, he suffered insurmountably to the point that it pushed him to despair and his friends to confusion. Then we've seen the climax, right? Like we, you, the Lord, Yahweh Elohim, you know, the God of the universe pulled up on the scene unannounced and let us know it was really good that he works beyond human comprehension, that he governs the universe, uh, the seen and the unseen for his glory, right? And now 42 comes and we finally get, yeah, the happy ending, so to speak. So we get a resolution, right? And the, chapters, and the chapter opens up with Job saying his final words of the book. And he essentially says, man, I know that you can do anything. Right, God, I know that you can do anything. Then he says, Surely I spoke about things I ain't even I didn't know what I was talking about. I ain't I didn't understand. Right? Things too wondrous for me to know. And then after that, he says, Yo, I had heard reports about you, but now, now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and I'm sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. Now, many people will say that um, you know, Job uh repents. And then some will say, no, he just confessed a bad attitude. But I think that uh, in large part, we can say that Job's, Job's God, his conception and view of God was simply too small, right? He needed the theophany, the, the physical manifestation of God on earth to come and speak with him, to remind him of the fact that the God of the universe, the creator of all creatures is greater, grander, higher, and wiser than any mortal can imagine, much less challenge, Right? God is uh, that which is, uh, you know, none. He is, he is greater than uh, we can even conceive of. And so that's what he's trying to show Job here. And Job gets it, right? It's something about him just seeing God, he says, that changes his whole outlook, that changes him from the inside to say what he says. And so after this, yeah, the book closes kind of quickly and basically God restores all of Job's possessions and the Bible says that his restored possessions doubled what he had previous to his trials wow in other words the result of the resolution in Job is that of restoration right restoration now Stay with me. Restoration as a concept, as a thread that runs throughout the scriptures, points us forward to what? Resurrection. As we look at this text, Job underwent immense suffering. And we are reminded that the Bible talks about us in similar terms, right? It says that, you know, Jesus says, anyone who wants to follow me must take up their cross and follow me, must die daily, right? Um, and, you know, we know that, yeah, Acts 14 will talk about many persecutions are necessary to enter the kingdom of God. And so as Christians, though, we don't just follow Jesus to the cross and to the grave, but through the grave as well. So in other words, because Jesus, the only righteous man to ever truly live, like the only fully righteous man, no sin, to grace the earth, the God man, his life went from suffering 
death and resurrection, death, uh, the cross and death to glory, resurrection, restoration. And that's what happens here with Job. And Job is just pointing us to Christ. Now, the beauty of this is, once again, with God restored Job, he gave him double, right? And that just reminds me of what, yeah, glory will be like. Because Paul will say in Romans 8, 18, he says, Job, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Guys, by faith in Jesus, because of what he has done, we can see the pattern that we saw in Job's life more clearly in Jesus's life and how it plays out even in our own lives. Our suffering is not for nothing. Our suffering is redemptive. Our suffering allows us to share in what Jesus experienced and to be conformed to his image, but ultimately it's preparing us for this glory that is going to be revealed to us. The coming restoration of those who follow Jesus will be so much greater than Job's, for we will experience the fullness of the kingdom of God, and we will see him just like Job said he did. We will see Christ as he comes again in his glory. So if you are suffering today, just know that as bad as it may be, or as bad as it possibly was, or as bad as it's seeming to seemingly uh, getting, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It doesn't mean God is mad at you. It may be for a reason that you can't completely understand or comprehend right now. But I can promise you, like the Apostle Paul, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Resurrection, restoration is coming. It is incomparable to the sufferings that you feel right now. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in Job's life, we only see a pattern of Jesus's life. And Jesus is the one who saves us. Father, help give us the eyes of faith to see 